daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. In 2018, it was Yaya Toure. In 2019, Vincent Company. 2020 was David Silva. Now in 2021, it's the turn of Sergio Aguero to leave Manchester City. It's official, arguably the scorer of the Premier League's most memorable goal of all time is to depart the Etihad this summer at the expiry of his contract. We wave goodbye to one of the English game's greatest overseas goalscorers as he's to leave these shores after 10 remarkable seasons, littered with goals, punctuated with trophies, and there still may be more to come before the campaign is out. One of City's greatest, but just how great, great enough for a statue at least, we'll be speaking to some lifelong fans to get their measure of the man responsible for so much joy in the blue half of Manchester. Also on today's show, we'll be talking about reports that Burnley stopper Nick Pope was told by Gareth Southgate he needs to find a new club in the summer if he wants to be England's number one. Is this football snobbery at its finest from the Three Lions boss, or is it just a classic case of Burnley being an unfashionable club? Is there any weight to the argument whatsoever? We'll discuss on today's Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new show every day of the week right the way through the football season. I'm Niall, and with me on today's show, it's our new Football Social Daily impressionist after yesterday's Brian Clough offering. Hello, Marley Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I thought I, was, uh, thought I was done with that, but yeah, hello. Uh, we've also got straight-talking Stefan Armstrong. Hello, Steph. No, but now you're all right. I'm very good. Are you good for any impressions? Have you got any in your locker? None that I really want to uh, publicly broadcast, no. But I, I won't mind hearing the Brian <laughs> Clough impression. <laughs> well, you're the Yorkshireman here. I was hoping you could give us your Brian Clough rendition. Nah, he's, he's Teesside. He's not Yorkshire. <laughs> okay. Time to dive into today's big talking points. First of all, Stefan, the huge news that came out yesterday that a genuine club legend will be moving on at the end of the season. Christoph Berra is leaving Heart of Midlothian. You must be absolutely devastated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> in all seriousness, Sergio Aguero is going to call time on his 10-year association with Manchester City in the summer when his contract expires. We knew it was coming, but it's still news which has really hit City fans emotionally and for good reason. Yeah, end, end of an era. The dynasty is uh, is moving on. Um You've got you've got to say, and I know you said in your intro they're probably the most memorable um, goal of Premier League history, but you could argue probably the most memorable goal scorer of Premier League history. I mean, he's getting a statue built after him, so it shows you how impressive he's been over a long period of time. We were talking last week about his his uh, stats, and he's consistently scoring twenty five goals a season uh, for a decade for a single club. It, it, it's it's incredible, really. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was a little bit surprised about it to be honest with you. I thought I thought it'd maybe be used as a bit of a transition um, period, um, uh, whilst they may be bedding in a new striker. But um, he's, he's chosen to go, or more so, the club have chosen uh, that uh, this is the time for him to move on. Um, and then they might be right there, to be fair. But yeah, he's had an incredible um, ten years at City, um, and what a striker! We talk about overseas goal scorers in the Premier League, Mali, and the top of the list, you think, in Thierry Henry, but Sergio Aguero as well is right up there. I mean, obviously, top of the list, Alan Shearer, and then you've got Andy Cole and Rooney, but they're all English players. If you're talking about players that have come from another league to play in the Premier League and score hatfuls and hatfuls of goals, Aguero is no doubt in the question of being one of the best. Yeah, who who did you say was top of that list, did you say? <laughs> oh, no, he's clinging on before Harry Kane gets and catches him up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, yeah, I mean, 
you can't take anything away from Aguero. Um, he's been he's been incredible since since coming in. You know, ten years ago it seems like it seems like so long ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, but it you know it's getting on for nearly ten years. So you know to break all the records he has um, to do it as um, you know one of the first through the door in that in that revolution the sort of thing for what a, a, a mere. What was it, 20, 28, 30 something million he was? Um, and, you know, back then that was like a huge, huge fee and you're expecting, you know, big things off him, but you've still got to stand up and, and make those, you know, make that check sort of cash kind of thing. So he's, he's certainly done that. And, you know, there's a genuine argument for him to be one of the, the best players in Manchester City's history, which is, you know, a, a huge, huge feat, especially for... Um, a foreign player, you know, you you think of players through the years being, um, you know, being local and what have you, and especially with Man City's history, looking at the the old era, you know, the likes of Dickov and Gota and you know Ali Benabia and all these players, and then the new era comes along, and Aguero was was sort of the flagship um, player of that, I suppose, and along with Company and Yaya Toure and obviously others, but he was um, he was the man who would score your goals, and there's never been a time in the past decade that you wouldn't back him to. To score twenty goals a season, um, and even on a even on a fully fit season, this type this sort of season, you would have backed him to score a lot of goals. But you know, injuries have slightly affected him, and they've probably seen this Man City as a time to make a, a mutual parting, wish him well, build a statue, you know, erect a mosaic or whatever they're doing, um, and uh, and bid farewell. So he's been he's been a hell of a servant, and you can't really take anything away from him it's still news which has really rocked city fans emotionally it's probably rocked some people more than most one of those being natalie pike how are you doing oh (laughs) me i'm just gutted you know i've I've slept on it and woke up this morning and just just feel gutted which i know it might sound ridiculous to some people because obviously we knew he wasn't going to stay forever um but i just didn't want it to happen now, many people have heard you on Football Social Daily and at City Square on a match day. And Sergio Aguero has been part of the furniture at the Etihad for the last 10 years. And he's become such a legend. You've even named your dog after him. And yeah, as everybody knows, he's my favourite City player of all time. I have my dog, Sergio, who is six now. Um, and yeah, I just I just absolutely adore the man. You know, he's been such a spearhead of the revolution of our club. And he mm. has helped us achieve things that I never dreamed of as a child. You know, when I was growing up as City were in the second division, I never dreamed that we'd have moments that we've seen, you know, with with, with Aguero. Um, so he's mm. just been he's just been a huge part of my life. It sounds ridiculous, but I think most football fans will get it. He's just been a huge part of my life for the last 10 years, even though I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one City player you haven't met, I think you said on social media. Oh, he's, yeah. Do you know what? Can you believe, um, as part of my job, I've interviewed most you know certainly back in the day when we used to do pre and post match interviews now not so much but i have never interviewed sergio aguero i've never met him i don't have a picture with him and i think that's added to my kind of love for him to be honest because they do say you know never meet your heroes so um yeah i've never i've never met him or interviewed him in my 10 years and his 10 years of being at city and obviously the 9320 moment which will resonate with every single manchester city fan that lives on this planet. Of course, the goal that secured Manchester City their first Premier League title on goal difference at the expense of their rivals from across town, Manchester United. Everyone will look at Sergio Aguero and look at his legacy at Manchester City and they'll pinpoint that moment because it's probably one of the greatest goals in Premier League history, if not the greatest. 
But he means more, doesn't he? There's more to Aguero's legacy for City fans than 93-20. I mean, that was, you know, what a cracking way to start your legacy in your first season to score the greatest goal in Premier League history. And that goal, that moment, that will never be bettered by anyone, you know. And I feel really blessed that I was there on the day to, you know, to to have been a part of that. But yeah, he's he's so much more than that. You know, he's been consistent over the last 10 years. He's scored, scored something, you know, over 180 league goals for us. His rate of scoring is the best in Premiership history as well, um, you know, in terms mm. of minutes per goals. But it's everything about him, you know, him as a man as well. He's so humble and you never see, you know, he's, he's you never see him in any press for any wrong reasons. He just plays his football and gets on with it. And he's just magic, you know, the moments that we've witnessed seeing you know what he has produced for us he's just you know breathtaking and uh you know it 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 does make me really emotional because it really is the end of an era you know we had david silver last year we had vincent company a couple of years ago it's the end of an era that as i say was a for most city fans was an absolute and utter dream and the three of them were the were the you know were the you know the center of that dream the last of the 2012 team remaining, and he'll be leaving in the summer, Sergio Aguero. You mentioned those other names, Vincent Company, David Silva. Come on then, Nat, in your time supporting Manchester City, where does he rank in the list of legends, of heroes? How high up the list is he? Oh, he's my number one. I've always said that. He's my he's my favourite City player of all time. He's my greatest. Obviously, I was not alive in the era of Colin Bell and Mike Summerby. And, you know, we sadly lost Colin Bell this year as well. And I, you know, I and the tributes for him were unbelievable. And I know through reading about him and watching videos how incredibly talented he was. But I never, you know, personally was lucky enough to see that. So for me, it is Sergio Aguero is is the number one. And I've had constant discussion, fun, I mean, really fun discussions with, with City fans over the years. Who's better, Aguero or David Silva? And ultimately, we always used to say, aren't we blessed that we're even having this discussion? But for me, it was, it, you know, it, it, it was Sergio Aguero. And it always, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody will, will top that for me. Thanks very much, Nat. I know it's an emotional day for every City fan. We've heard from Natalie Pike there. You can listen to her on our weekend Premier League preview and review shows, Saturdays and Sundays here on Football Social Daily. You can also catch her at City Square on a match day. Hopefully there'll be fans back in the Etihad soon. But let's hear from another Manchester City supporter and another of our Manchester City podcast pundits here on Football Social Daily. Ant McGinley's with us. How are you doing, Ant? I'm I'm, I'm emotional, (laughs) but I'm holding it together. I mean, it's an emotional day. I mean, it does feel like, I mean, everyone keeps saying the end of an era, but certainly that's the case. And like I said to Nat, the last of the 2012 title winning team is now going to wave goodbye to life at the Etihad Stadium. Um, Is that kind of something that uh, is what hits home the most? Not so much about what he's achieved personally and individually at the club, but also the fact that that era of players is now going to be gone. Yeah, but you know what? I I think we're in we're in safe hands in that respect. In terms, you know, look, it's not like we're struggling now, and like you know, Aguero going is really <laughs> going to put us, you know, down the bottom of the table. I I think we're, we're the team is so much stronger. I mean, we 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 had a lot of big money stars when uh, Aguero came in, but as you say, he's really proved value, and it was thirty five million, really proved value for for that. Uh, for that amount of money. Um, I, I, You know what, I think, I'm just thinking about it, I think this probably only came to a head about 10 days ago, you know. And that was because he was an unused substitute against Everton. 
And one of the things he's mm. done for us is he's always picked up some late goals. Like, obviously, the very famous one. And then uh, some of my favourites have always been in those last few minutes of a game. And it looked like he was going to come on. It looked like he was fit enough. He'd been named as a sub a couple of times. And he didn't come on against Everton. Okay, it's just an FA Cup match against Everton. But Everton's, I think, the only team he's never scored against in the Premier League. Now, it wouldn't have been a Premier League goal. But... Really? I mean, I think he would have wanted that to his collection. So I wonder if that's just maybe what's tipped things over the edge and, and put us into this situation. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I, I think that the sad thing is two things, first of all. One, he's not going to get that send-off because we're not going to have a packed Etihad yeah. saying that. And also, I think we're kind of, as City fans, we kind of expected this to happen and it was coming and we are sad. But I, I think the, the biggest sadness is possibly from the rest of the Premier League, realising what they, they've lost. And it's kind of, it's not been mm. a sudden loss because he's kind of, um, he's only had a couple of appearances and goals this season. You know, last season wasn't wasn't his best either, especially falling out of the um, that injury before we got to the Champions League uh, later stages. So I, I think when you look back as well, you know, only making it twice into the Premier League team of the season, and yet consistently getting over 20 goals. And and here's the thing as well. For me, like he is the complete striker. Now, I know it's very easy to get excited about uh, players in the moment or of your time or of your club. But when you look at the goals he's got, say, say, for example, just comparing to Harry Kane, a lot of Harry Kane's goals are penalties. Aguero was a penalty taker. But it's as much as those uh, stunners from outside the box, delicate little chips and tappings as well. Uh, and headers for the size of him. So many great headers that he's put in as well. Deadly calm up front. And and also, you know, most hat-tricks in Premier League history. I think 12 hat-tricks and included in that is the fastest five goals in Premier League football in just 20 minutes against a little team called... Oh, I can't remember the name. Marley, do you remember what they were called? No. <laughs> i got no idea, mate, no. <laughs> uh, i tell you what... I think I just, I just refer to him as the best striker in Premier League history, so, you know... Yeah, I tell you what, you, you might fancy that statue of him instead of Joel Linton. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent, just bounce things off that easy. You, you, you know the, the, the crazy. And back at his manager as well. The the, the 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 crazy thing, everybody remembers that goal. That you know, of course, and and I'm going to reel it out one more time. The only ever assist uh, for Balotelli in the Premier League <laughs> was in that game, setting up Aguero for that goal. But if you go back and watch it, the amazing thing for me is that goal. Uh, Aguero was so hungry to get the ball he was actually sort of in the middle of the pitch when that move started and Vincent Company was much further up than he was so there's, there's, I mean I know that's a goal that we've we, we've all watched a lot and seen a lot and gets replayed a lot but yeah. so many so many great things in there the thing I find about that goal Ant is that he actually gets kicked mm. and he stays yeah. on his feet Yeah, and he could have gone down and got a penalty and imagine that the nerves of a penalty to win you the league at the end of a season but instead he stays upright and smashes it in and the rest is history as they say oh and 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 what a hit as well it's like it's a real playground thump uh just uh, th- there was so much emotion in that game as well it was so difficult and painful and i i i watched it again this morning before coming and chatting to you guys and Every single time I watch that, I get the same sensation, the same chills, the same tension. This it all comes flooding back, and it was mm. it was such a it was the ultimate city game in a way, <laughs> you know, because we we we, <laughs> we had this thing where it, it was all in our plates, 
you know, everything was there for us. You know, all we had to do was win. We were one nil up. They went down to ten men. There we go. We're going we're gonna to walk this. And then we just put in the most city performance ever and fell two two on behind and just tension got on top of everybody and it was just such a horrible tense atmosphere but in a in a way as a city fan we'd been through so many ups and downs in the past we kind of went well this is what it means this is what it means to be a city fan you know this is part of it and um I know there probably was, but I certainly don't know anybody that that walked out and and, and left at that point. You just kind of like took it, and I'm, I'm I'm tearing up thinking about it again now. But just the 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 <laughs> the because it wasn't just that game, it wasn't just that season, it wasn't just that incredible Premier League season, but it was, you know, for my generation, we we'd never seen City be as high as they were. Never mind win win the top division, and uh, yeah. But but that for me that for me as great as that is and as that will be the goal that will always be shown when people talk mm-hmm. about Aguero, that was not his best performance. In fact, he he didn't have a great de- game that day. I mean, you compare it to how he was the rest of that season. I mean, he came on on his debut with about half an hour to go, scored two goals and set up silver, um, which which was impressive. But for me, probably from all the things that I've, all the games that I've seen, all the goals that he scored. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to take Marley through the mill again. But the, the, I was actually I was actually at, at the game with our boss, Jim, and co-host of, of this podcast. Uh, November 2014 against Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich at the Etihad. And after about 15 minutes, uh, I think it was uh, Benatia brought down Aguero. Aguero scores the penalty, Benatia goes off. So very familiar circumstances, 1-0 up against 10 men. And just before... Uh, half-time Lewandowski and I think it was Xavi Alonso both score so 10-man City go into uh, go into the break 2-1 down and the the performance of the team was pretty abject but Aguero pulled us through and he didn't stop working and it's one of the best performances I've seen him in and, and there's so many to choose from and again you know, five minutes from time, the equaliser, and then in the first minute of injury time. And, and both those goals were, were little delicate chips and finishes as well. And that brings me back to what I was saying. Mm. He, he's not just the kind of goal, goal scorer uh, that would most of his goals were tap-ins or whatever. The whole variety of it. And just, just a fantastic player. And I think Nat said on it as well, whenever you looked at the, the leading goal scorers for season and, and you saw like, how many goals are on? How many goals are on? Because of his injuries, uh, it wasn't very often he played a full season. So his goals per minute mm. was always about thirty minutes less than everybody else. And yeah, he loved having a winter break, didn't he, Sergio Aguero? <laughs> Couple of weeks off around Christmas, just because he's got a dodgy ankle, or a dodgy knee, or something. Listen, Ant, we'll let you go in and have a little cry and wipe the tears away because it is an emotional day for, just, for Man City. I just fans. want a hug, and it's the one thing I can't have. <laughs> <laughs> Great to speak to you. You can, of course, catch Ant on our weekend podcasts um, every now and again on Football Social Daily. Of course, Premier League preview shows and review shows on Saturdays and Sundays. So hit subscribe. And that way you won't miss any of those shows. And hopefully, Ant, you'll have a Sergio Aguero goal to talk about between now and the end of the season. Oh, that would just... You know what? This is what I'm praying for. I've got I've got my house on it. Is 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 a Drogba-style exit, you know, an equaliser <laughs> in the Champions League final and then a winning penalty. And that will... Good night, Sergio. Thanks for everything. I wouldn't put it past him. Great to speak to you, Ant. Take care. Bye, guys.
So that's the view of Nat Pike and Ant McGinley, two big Manchester City fans who you hear regularly here on Football Social Daily. And he touched upon it there, Stefan, did Ant. No fans to see him off. Possibly 10,000 tickets available for the last game of the season at the Etihad, which is the Everton game. And like what Ant said again, he's never scored against Everton, allegedly, in the Premier League. So, you know, if those tickets were gold dust before, even more so now. But yeah, sad really that at the end of 10 long, illustrious years for City that there's going to be no one in the ground really on the scheme of things to, to see him away. Did Ant just say packed out Etihad Stadium? Did I hear that right? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Oh, if, here I we go. <laughs> it won't make much difference, Ant. Don't worry, mate. <laughs> nah. Today of all days, you can't be slagging off the City fans. No, no, no. It's a shame. Honestly, I'd, I'd probably go down there and say farewell to him. He's, he's been that good. So, yeah, shame, mm. isn't it? But, I mean, that, that's, that's this year for you. Yeah, absolutely. Farewell, Sergio Aguero. What a legend of the Premier League he's been. For me, scorer of the most famous Premier League goal in history. I don't think it will ever be topped. Everything about it, the, the tension, the atmosphere, the moment, the fact it was two rival clubs, a neck-and-neck title race, goal difference, the commentary from four or five different commentators who all experienced the same emotion. I think, for me, one of the greatest Premier League moments and footballing moments in European football. And the scorer of that goal, Sergio Aguero, will call time on his 10-year association with Manchester City when his contract expires at the end of the season. So it will be... Adios Aguero, but not yet, of course. Still time to go in this Premier League season. We might see him play a part yet in the domestic scene and, of course, the Champions League too. But what about on the international stage? Well, that's what we'll be talking about next on Football Social Daily because Gareth Southgate, the England manager, has told Nick Pope he needs to find a new club and leave Burnley if he wants to be the three Lions number one. We'll talk about it next after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast. Again, time to talk about unfashionable football clubs now. I think we all probably know what it's like to support an unfashionable team, don't we, lads? <laughs> Portsmouth, Newcastle, Hearts. Yeah, not exactly the glory-hunting teams, let's, let's just say that. But one thing that did catch my eye is something that's been reported by Rob Dorsett from Sky Sports. He suggested that Gareth Southgate, the England manager, has told Burnley goalkeeper Nick Pope, Marley, that if he wants to become England's number one, he has to leave Burnley in the summer. Now, my first thoughts on this when I saw this come out was, well, that's not fair. That's football snobbery at its very finest. I just wonder what your take on it is. Um, do you know what? I know you hate Burnley, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't put words in my mouth. I don't hate Burnley. I just hate the way they play. <laughs> um, no, do you know what? I get it and I, and I don't get it. I get why he's saying it because, you know, Burnley are... It's the way, the way they play doesn't demand much from the goalkeeper in terms of playing it with the feet. And when you're when you're an England goalkeeper, I think the the style is much um, more suited to a goalkeeper that can that is comfortable with his feet, and you know can the distribution is is um, a lot better. I think Pickford's probably probably the best part of Pickford's games is distribution, um, as well as his sort of reflex saves, and you know he's consistently let him down a little bit, and his in his attitude and his ego let him down a little bit. But Pope is much more solid, but much more limited with his feet. However, I don't think those problems can necessarily be solved by 
um, you know, allegedly saying that you you must leave Burnley toward in order to achieve that because, you know, you're still you're still a Premier League goalkeeper at Burnley. You're still getting probably more work than you know, fourteen, fifteen other goalkeepers in the league. You know, um, Burnley concede a lot of shots. He makes a lot of saves. He's usually top of the save list um, at the end of every season in terms of how many saves he's made every year. Um, and we, like weirdly, you know, the 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 more you move up towards the top of the league, the less work you have to do. So it's it's almost like a catch twenty two situation because, you know, you you get less work, but you you get more favour if you play for an Arsenal or an, an Everton or a, you know, a, a Liverpool or an or a, a Man City or someone like that. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that he's got a, a point here by saying Pope should go you know, to, to a top team because I don't think he's I think mm. I think he's doing enough to, to be given the shirt. It's yep. just how Southgate likes to play. So he's he's probably saying I don't I don't wanna you know I don't want him messing up with his feet and, and costing me. I totally agree with that. I think he's proven at Burnley, Stefan, that he's a good enough goalkeeper to be England's number one. And I just don't understand this argument if it is you need to go out and play for a team that plays more attractive football because let's just say he does go to, I don't know, Arsenal and then they sack Arteta and bring in someone like Sam Allardyce. Obviously, I'm speculating purely here and just being hypothetical. But then the style of play changes again. And so a player can never really dictate how they play the game because that's always dictated to by the manager in the grand scheme of things. So I just wondered what your view was on this because I think that if you're good enough to do the job, you should be considered to do the job. It shouldn't be about who you play for and how you play. I think this is a mentality which is quite concerning from Gareth Southgate, actually. If it is true, it's a bit bizarre because and hypocritical, really, because Southgate spent the majority of his career at Crystal Palace and Middlesbrough. <laughs> That's very, so. very true. And, and also, even on that, you look at the, the recent England internationals, Jordan Pickford's not been involved because I think he's been injured <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, he's had a choice between Johnston, Pope and Dean Henderson. Now, Henderson yeah. plays for Manchester United, which is arguably the most ball-playing side out of all three of those teams and probably the most, well, definitely the most prestigious club out of the three that each goalkeeper represents so why didn't he just put Dean Henderson in the sticks for the last couple of internationals yeah it's bizarre Henderson I think's probably been primed as England number one for the future but he doesn't play enough he's he's still firmly number two at, at United um I know De Gea's been away but he's number two at Man United uh yeah. and Pickford I mean he's probably the only Premier League goalkeeper we talk about regularly because he makes so many errors so I wouldn't feel confident with Pickford in goal, so it only really leaves Nick Pope. So the fact that he plays for Burnley shouldn't really matter, um, but it kind of does. If 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 you've ever listened to a Fletcher Mints podcast with uh, Bob Marmer, <laughs> um, he's got a section on that called the Burnley Way. I'm going to read out some lyrics for you: mud, graft, assault, lad, and that's the Burnley Way. And it kind of sums up what people think about Burnley. So it, it, is, it is probably um, an unfashionable team, isn't it? And you, you probably get lumbered with that association if you play for them as being a bit of a, a scrappy football team. And they're by no means the best team to, to watch in the league. But it's all about being a goalkeeper and a scrappy team. That's, that's, that's all right, because as you say, you, you, you're playing a lot. You, you're involved with, with the game a lot. Um 
So, ideal position, really, to be. We should maybe only choose goalkeepers from relegation teams. Probably be better. <laughs> but what difference will it really make, Stefan? I understand the point of he wants someone who's better with their feet, which I think is why Jordan Pickford's been clinging on to the number one spot for so long when he's really been poor domestically for the last 18 months, I'd argue. But, you know, it can't just purely be down to style of play. Sometimes you have to make a compromise and think, well, if Nick Pope has shown that he can consistently keep out the best strikers in world football playing in the Premier League, then surely that's good enough to play for England. You know, it's not, you know, we're not exactly spoiled for choice with keepers at the moment, in my opinion. So... You know, I think Pope's the best of the bunch we got right now, at least in terms of consistency and, and playing regularly week in, week out. Precisely. And it's experienced. The guy's, the guy's heading on a 30. He must be 28, 29 years old. So he's mm. he's played in the Premier League for long enough uh, and he's playing against some of the best strikers in, in the world. So it doesn't it doesn't matter where he plays. I think, <laughs> I think because it's international break, once again, it's a bit of a slow news week. Um, everybody's building <laughs> up for the Premier League again and... Sky Sports have needed to publish something. It's like, oh, South, Southgate says that Pope shouldn't play for Burnley, mate. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those things where you can draw comparisons where comparisons don't need to be drawn. For instance, Gareth Southgate telling Nick Pope that he needs to leave Burnley might be exactly what Marley said. He needs to leave Burnley and play for someone who plays better football, not just you should leave Burnley because they're a terrible club. I don't think that's the, the actual notion behind um, what he's been saying to Nick Pope. But, I'd laugh if you did say that. <laughs> can you imagine? But this is the thing with Gareth Southgate, Marley, and that's led to a few questions. And there was an interesting discussion that we actually had uh, before we recorded the podcast, uh, me and Jim, uh, yesterday or the other day. We basically said that Gareth Southgate, he hasn't picked someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's consistently for the last two years been a top, top fullback. Alexander-Arnold isn't in form. I've not picked him, but he's just going through a bit of a bad patch considering he's been really good and at the top of his game for two seasons. But this is the same person that gave Callum Hudson-Odoi an England cap before he got a Chelsea start. And I just think that you're talking about players not having form and not proving themselves to be consistent enough form-wise. But yet you still see Southgate making some of these peculiar decisions that they almost look contradicting on his own part from some of the things he said in the press before and some of the things he said now. Yeah, I think... um... I think that is one of the things with Southgate. He, he tends to um, tends to say things that can't always be, you know, backed up. Like when he says, "I'm going to play players that are playing and they're in form," um, you know, then he picks Eric Dyer, and Eric Dyer's, you know, gets in the squad despite not being in the Spurs team. And James Tarkowski, another Burnley guy, uh, doesn't, and you know, concert Ezri concert yeah. doesn't. Um, ben Godfrey doesn't and you know there's there's centre-backs in the England mm. squad that are playing so this this applies to a lot of things but you know Hudson-Odoi was was probably a little bit of a um, uh, a political move because you know for when there's a talented young player who had has eligibility to go and play for another country I think he, he could technically have played for Ghana um, and he didn't want to make um, didn't want to make that mistake and, and lose him if he if he did go and opt to play for Ghana and lose out on a on a talent like that. But you know the point remains he he capped him without knowing anything about him really. Basically bought into the hype um, around Hudson Odoi and it, it may come true in the future, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he he didn't do anything um, to warrant that call up really in in his first in his first um, when he got to the England team first, but. Yeah, Southgate is um, is a bit wishy-washy, isn't he, with his with his reasoning? And it, it's it's hard to 
be consistent with your and back up your words consistently when you say things like I'm going to pick players that are in form because you know there are always players in better form than the ones that are in the team um, they might not necessarily be better players for example you could you could easily make the case that you think Eric Dyer is a better uh, defender than John Stones uh, not John um, than... <laughs> steady <laughs> no um, well you could have uh, 12 months ago not now um, you could you could easily say you know I think Eric Dyer is a better player than James Tarkowski and you may have a point but you can't say that Tarkowski is not in a better period of form and consistency than Eric Dyer so you know you're always making a rod for your own back and you're always making um, an excuse that you can't sort of go back against and in the long term mm. that, that might um, that might come back to haunt him a little bit, but yeah. you know, there's no guarantee. You know, going back to the Nick Pope thing, there's no guarantee that he'll get better with his feet if he goes to a bigger club. He might True. just be a big, a big lump that can't kick the ball. Most guys that are six foot eight aren't good with their feet. It's just like a natural thing. You remember Fraser Forster was in the England squad at one point. I've watched a lot of Fraser Forster. He used to play at Newcastle. He played at Celtic and Southampton. He's been useless with his feet for his entire career. He was a good goalkeeper, but he was bad with his feet. And that ultimately went against him. Um, and mm. I think when Southampton um, could, they replaced him with, with Alex McCarthy because he's slightly better um, with his with his feet on the floor. But, you know, it, it works in all forms of, of, mm. of life. But I, I do think it's a bit of an excuse that might come back to, to haunt Southgate at, at some point. Yeah, good chat with uh, former Nottingham Forest and Wales goalkeeper Mark Crossley on yesterday's podcast. That's Monday's show. So just scroll back in the timeline and listen to that where he chats to Jim about the needs and requirements of a modern goalkeeper compared to when he was playing in the early 90s. Anyway, just in one word before we shut down today's podcast, who is the most unfashionable club in the Premier League, Stefan? Uh, West Brom okay that's two words but still we'll let you have it Um, thank you very much Marley cheers Stefan go and work on that Brian Clough impression because we want to hear it for next time I will do mate (laughs) (laughs) my name's Niall thanks for tuning in don't forget to hit subscribe that way you won't ever miss another podcast and also check out our website sport-social.co.uk loads of new podcasts on there from snooker to speedway uh, and loads of other football content on there too the sports social podcast network is live and kicking so go and check it out sport-social.co.uk but that's it for today we'll catch you again tomorrow on the show football social daily from sports social find us on facebook search sport social